right, guys, welcome to the Zenfulness podcast. This is a place where we enjoy the journey when it comes to entrepreneurship, life, personal growth. And today we got a very special guest. We got Shane Tyler Milson, the founder and entrepreneur of Black Magic Alchemy, one of the world's best, actually the best shaga and reachy mushroom supplement in the world. <laughs> and just someone who is very intelligent, very smart, his, his outlook on nature, outlook on life, on personal growth. There's so much that I'm personally inspired by um, seeing his journey. And I really wanted to have this conversation with him to learn about his story and to see kind of his outlook on life and his plans for the future. So with that, Shane, I'll pass it over to you. And if you could introduce a little bit about who you are and then we'll dive into your story. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for the warm introduction, Jeremiah, (laughs) my guy. (laughs) Wonderful. I feel blessed to be on this podcast with an entrepreneur that's getting his feet in the in the water jumping in head first and i'm happy to partake and give any knowledge i can to any other entrepreneurs or anyone else who wants to get into the world of that or you know wants to learn more about health and wellness and nature and connect back to their roots and mm-hmm. unlock the next level so shane tyler milson basically i'll start it here guys i got into this game when i was 18 into entrepreneurship. I had long known that I wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was a kid. My dad's an entrepreneur. He had a business doing point of sale systems for different grocery stores and restaurants, something that he did great with. And he's more of an introverted guy, but he, mm-hmm. I just saw so much of his, his ability to be trusted by his customers because my dad was always just trying to do the right thing for his customers and help them out. And he worked with a lot of mom and pop restaurants and mom and pop grocery stores. So I used to go with him on these service calls. I used to just be so enamored. That's like, my dad had these like so strange hours to go to work. Like it wasn't like a nine to five. It was like, it'd be like early in the morning one day. And then later in the evening, he has to go do another call or a Saturday night. And I just thought that's such a cool life. Like mm-hmm. not having like, for me, I'm Aquarius too. So naturally I don't really want to set schedule. I want to be a little bit wild and move things around. So my dad taught me a lot from that realization of what it would be like to like run a business, have a family. So it really opened my eyes. And then that planted probably some really early on seeds that combined with the seeds, the spores of wanting to travel the world. So there's always a dream of mine. I, when I was young, I always wanted to go to California. I wanted to go to Europe and all these places. And it, it really set the stage for a lot of the later things that would happen in my 20s. Mm-hmm. When I was 18, I got really well exposed to the world of health. I had a couple of health issues that I really wasn't getting the solutions from my doctor. I was having this situation called hyperhidrosis where basically your body has its lymphatic system so blocked that you're constantly sweating to try to release toxins because your bowel system is also blocked as well. So it's like, if when it gets to that point, you're basically profusely sweating all the time. Your adrenals are kicked off. It's basically you're in fight or flight constantly. And I was exhausted. So I was like this most of my high school years. And by the time I hit 18, I finally said, I've had enough. I'm going to do whatever it takes, which is usually the attitude that changes your life. I'll do whatever it takes to fix this. I will find a damn way. And at the time I got exposed to being vegan and raw. So I went raw foodie. I went like that for three months where I literally just did nothing but green juicing for three months to like reset my whole body in less than six months. I totally cured my problem, uh, cured my acne, fixed my high, uh, anything to do with issues with fatigue. I, I got to a point in my life where I felt so alive and energized. And I realized, my God, how many other people don't realize that nutrition is such a great unlock. And they don't understand what, what to do with their nutrition because 
we all hear like, you know, eat an apple keeps a doctor away. Go try this diet, be keto, be paleo, be vegan. There's such a mix that even when you do take that jump away from the pharmaceutical world and you go into natural health, there's still the confusion of, well, what do I do? Because there's so many conflicting ideas about what to do with nutrition or supplements and how much of that do I take? So I, I really went on a journey for the last 12 years of my life, breaking that down and understanding it and spending time around mentors and the most well-versed people in the world and truly the healthiest people I could find. If I found someone, even if they didn't seem to know about all the different diets, mm. but they just had a vitality to them, a life force and energy that when they spoke, they just spoke with happiness and they were happy to be alive and they felt good. I learned everything I could from them. And some people were masters with digestion. Some were masters with understanding things about beauty and hair and the skin. And other people were just really amazing at having a light, lighthearted approach of how they look at reality and not taking anything too seriously. So I learned from some really awesome masters and teachers and other entrepreneurs and got to a point where I thought, it's probably time I start trying to offer some of this knowledge and, and codify it and make it a little mm -hmm. easier for people to understand. Hence, I started the YouTube channel. Hence, I really went hard and whole hog with the business with Black Magic and wanted to take all that knowledge and put it into a product. What would it look like if I took all the knowledge of health I've learned from the clear cut how to do extractions from the clear cut, how to go find wild foods that have the highest level of nutrition to medicinal mushrooms and combine that all together alchemically kind of using a lot of spiritual ideas. Like I got like a couple of crystals and random things over here. How do we like infuse mm -hmm. some of these things in it and intentions and prayer? How do we mix all of this into making a product that would actually change someone's life? So that's what it became is let's take all the stuff that's flying up in the ether in my mind Let's bring it into a product that when someone takes it, they're getting the accumulation of the 12 years I've put in, plus everyone on our team and all the knowledge of the people that I get, you know, to taste test it, to get an herbalism perspective on like, would you mix that herb with that? What would happen in the intestines or the liver if you did that? And breaking it down to find the exact proportion, style, secret recipe to make an effect for people spiritually and for their vitality. So they actually feel something. So when you take it, you not only enjoy it, you actually get a result from it where, you know, how many supplements do we all pop, but we don't really feel it or notice anything. I wanted to make something where when you take it, you feel more energy, you feel more clarity, you feel alive. In it. So that that's kind of like where the journeys brought me to here, where now I am in Ojai, California, beautiful California, finally made it. And then <laughs> and that sun. <laughs> what's that? About getting in a lot of sun down there too. Oh, bro. Yeah. Probably a little bit too much, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, that's where the journey's led to. And at this point, it's uh, I've been doing a lot of health coaching with clients and giving people a one-on-one -on -one approach to really break down and codify a system so that way I can deliver not only a physical product that there's medicine in it, but how can I also deliver the content and information so someone could see health and understand it like reading a dictionary. They can understand anything in it. They can look at it. They can see how to do the balance of becoming their own doctor. How do, how do we make life amazing for someone and how do we heal from almost any health condition that exists? That That's really the next level. So here's a question for you then, Shane. You said growing up, you had that lymphatic health, health issue. Why do you think you were so, even back then, in tune with your body? Because isn't that a major issue in health where people don't even know they have issues because they're just out of touch with their body? <laughs> <laughs> well... The reason I, I, I the reason, I, in fact, I would say I was 
out of tune with my body so much that I was just putting my, all my trust into a doctor and I got diagnosed as having hyperhidrosis. And I mean, I could look in the mirror. I used to go in the bathroom at every, like literally bro, think about this for a minute. I used to go, I was so embarrassed by how much acne I had on my skin and how, how dry or oily it would go back and forth. And my skin was just a wreck. My hair was a wreck. It felt like dry and brittle. And I felt so shitty that I would literally every class I would in high school, I would actually just go to the bathroom, even though if I didn't have to go to the bathroom and I'd literally just look in the mirror and almost be like, what, like, why am I cursed with acne like this? I, I was so debilitated by it. Cause it's like, I was, I felt like I was the only one who had it that bad. And I felt like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. So I then put all the trust in the doctors and I would go to the doctor and they were trying to get me all the way up to taking Accutane, which basically makes you go deaf after a period of time. It can really hamper and damage your hearing as well as many other things, shuts your liver off, basically destroys your body. I almost got to that point of taking that. The only thing that stopped me was the blood test, which I'm like, I'm not doing any needles. So <laughs> that's the only <laughs> thing that saved my life at that point. But I, I actually just had gotten to the realization that I don't know anything. Like I actually accepted, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about how my body's doing this, why it's doing this. I just knew one thing though. I knew for sure from observation that the doctor must be incorrect to some degree because I would ask the doctor, how come my acne is always way worse on Monday morning, Monday, Tuesday, like earlier part of the week mm -hmm. than the other part of the week. And I, I started saying, is it maybe because I go out of the move, I go out to see the movies with friends um, on the weekends and I'm eating popcorn, I'm drinking Coke. I'm usually like celebrating more, having pizza. Like I was doing that anyways during the week, but it was a lot more on the weekend. It was concentrated. Mm -hmm. And I noticed it was like, suddenly on the Monday, my skin would be the worst. It would be all week. So I asked the doctor that and their response was almost to laugh at it and think, no, that's not, there's nothing to do with the, the Coca-Cola's you're drinking or the pizzas or the popcorn. He almost, it was like, he, he shrugged it off with almost like an arrogance. So that actually made me think, I think there might be something to do with this because how would that happen every time? That's what drew me in. And it took a little while to get into with my body because I had to, un, like anyone would have to, you have to unwire so much of the wiring that's set up around the food addictions and chemical addictions that are inside these foods that the food manufacturers have put in like monosodium glutamate, different chemicals McDonald's puts in their food to make you keep eating it and being addicted to it, where even the smell triggers the portions of the brain that say, I need that. So you have to get through all that. So it took me a good three, four, five, six months of hardcore, only organic. I'm not cooking on anything that's like a Teflon pan. That's like cast iron only. I'm going to go then juicing every single day. I'm going to be walking. I'm going to be drinking clean spring water. I had to do that for three to four, five, six months. And then suddenly holy shit, I now know mm -hmm. what triggers my body, what puts it in a good path and what makes me lose energy, what drops my consciousness, what raises my consciousness, what makes my skin look good, what doesn't make my skin look good. So I had to discover that, which continues to change as you get older and older. You keep learning new layers to it. Like one food that might be good for you this season may not be good for you next season. Rice may not be good for you. You know, in a couple of months, you may actually don't need those nutrients from it. And suddenly you're like, I don't want any grains whatsoever. I just want to eat more fruits. So you start to learn and adapt, but you get more aware. So then Shane, how did this lead to you creating your business, 
um, black magic. Like, what, what, so now you you start to get to this point where you're more in tune with your health. You solve that issue with your skin and your acne, and you're starting to trust yourself and going on this path of health. Um, but I think a lot of people in this situation, they don't just start a business based on around <laughs> yeah, this. So yeah, yeah. you're definitely the exception to the rule here. So how, how did that even happen? Sure. Well, it took many years. So what, like I said, when I was 18, I started launching different businesses I was interested in. I was doing like, you know, everything from website design to how to, I had a little wheatgrass business. I was selling all types of different products, even electromagnetic chaos eliminators, but nothing was really, ta- <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like. Bro, I tried like seven businesses before I got to this one. So it took time. It definitely wasn't like, I'm healthy. Okay, I'm going to go make an empire of mushrooms. It was like not mushrooms in in fact were not really on my radar at that point. Not at all. The most experience I had had, I mean, I definitely had had experience with mushrooms because when I was a teenager, which is probably a key piece of this story I should mention, when I was a teenager, my grandfather, he's from Italy, born in a cave during World War II. It's a story, so it goes. Apparently, it's fully true. Wow. <laughs> and my grandfather spent his teenage years in in um, between Italy and Canada, and he learned all of the, the mushroom foraging side from his grandparents and his parents, and that goes all the way back. So he came, he comes to Canada, and he, you know, just loves the ecosystem. He's up in Uxbridge in Ontario, which is a beautiful area with lots of different forests. He ends up being kind of like a mentor coach to me with mushrooms because I would go live on his farm. He has a hobby farm, 70 acres, you know, 50 cows, chickens, goats, all that stuff. I would go live with him on the weekends or sometimes even the whole summer. I would go spend that time with him and he would actually teach me mushroom foraging. And that's how I learned about mushroom foraging or wild foraging. He taught me about juniper berries and the barks off certain trees and this herb and this plant and fuja and lamb's quarter grows around the garden. It's got these herbs or these medicinal components. I got a familiarity with nature and the forest and nutrition and how our forests are really fully edible. So much magic and medicine in our backyard. So I had that implant kind of early on but I didn't make that full connection until I was a little early twenties. I started getting, I went down this path after I fixed my hyperhidrosis and fixed up my acne. I just started going on this rampage of, I'm just going to learn everything I can. I don't want to just stop at fixing my issue. I want to get to the superhuman level of health I believe is possible because if I could go from hyperhidrosis, acne, adrenal fatigue in less than a year to feeling amazing, completely ripped, like six pack ripped, energized, full of life. And I could do that in less than a year. What could I do if I spent years learning more about it? So I went on this obsessive path, but I knew from the moment I really fixed my health, I wanted to launch some business. I just didn't know what. Mm -hmm. So it took me until I was 25 to figure out it was black magic and to actually do a business that was what it is today. So it took, you know, a good, you could argue six to seven years of trying to figure out what do I want to focus on? What do I want to be my niche? What do I want to be my business? And the way I discovered it was mushrooms was because I decided the best route for me, I never went to university or college. I actually just started kind of spending a lot of time with entrepreneurs and very wealthy entrepreneurs too. Some that were, you know, maybe made a couple million a year. So not crazy, but they lived an amazing life of traveling the world, living like, you know, van life like a 10 years ago van life, which is very unheard of really for someone who's like early thirties and they were traveling around the country. And then I had multimillionaire friends that were doing businesses in the tech world. So I started spending time around them as my education. 
And I learned very quickly that that was probably the best route of how I would learn. Mm -hmm. And then I decided I want to go work with the best health food company I can find. I want to learn everything about the business. So I found a company in Canada called Giddy Yo-Yo and they are a fantastic company. They sell raw chocolate bars. So it's like best heirloom cacao from Ecuador. They turn into these raw chocolate bars. They had 17 of them. They also sold about 20 different superfoods. Chlorella, spirulina, goji berries, golden berries, all of those special exotic superfoods. But they also sold reishi and chaga, which wow. was my <laughs> first real exposure to it. And that, un that unlocked the realization when I first drank it. And I, I mm. thought, you know, at first I was like, what is this? You know, I remember the mushroom hunting, but back then with my grandpa, it was all culinary mushrooms. Now, what is this mushroom that grows off a tree? You don't eat it. You actually make a tincture out of it. Wait, you drink it as a tea? It's a mushroom. That feels like it's going to be weird. I'm used to cooking them like chanterelles and morels and such, right? So I'm like, mm. okay, tried it. And I'll never forget the first time I tried it. I was like, oh my God, years of green juicing and all that world and all these different herbal drinks. I never try anything as powerful as a shaga tea. So that put me on this obsessive path of going out wild foraging, learning everything I could about mushrooms. Every weekend, I would drive up north a couple hours. I would camp out, go to my family's properties, and go mushroom foraging for shotgun reishi and lion's mane and all those. And it, it became clear from learning in that business, which I spent two years apprenticing. Two years, I call it eating dog shit because you know, while I was doing an amazing mm -hmm. job and I had a lot of fun, it was honestly the most fun. I would go to these health food stores. I had a territory of about 200 different health food stores in Toronto. And I would go visit them every week and, you know, shake hands with the owners, spend time with customers, educating them about it. I would do all these trade shows. I would learn a lot about the business, help customers out. But it's like, I was also in my head in the background. I was like, but I got to I got to do my own thing. I could do my own thing. I was like <laughs> building up my belief about it and learning the whole time. So I was like, oh, I'm kind of doing things that I know it's like I would do it differently. But for now, I'm going to shut up, learn, get everything I can get. And when the time's right, I'm going to launch my business and I'll have such a strong, fertile foundation because I've seen how to do the business. I've seen how to deal with customers. I've seen how to talk about the product. I've seen what people need for health. I've seen the problems over and over again, thousands of times, the low energy, what are you eating, asking questions. And I'm like, I think I got something. And that's when I decided to do it. So it took seven years, it took seven years before I really got up to the confidence, the uh, knowledge and awareness before I actually did this. Wow. I love the fact you know, you went on literally this like apprenticeship quest to learn as much <laughs> as possible. And I guess looking back, it, it just makes sense how you can connect the dots there. But so what happened once you, once you launched Black Magic, like how did, this is, it seems very complex to create like a Shaga mushroom Elixir, like, how did yeah. this even happen? Okay, so those mushroom hunts I was telling you about that we go up every weekend and do, we would go to different cottages. A lot of friends I started bringing with me. At first, I would just do it alone. I did that for the first six months. I would just go by myself. I, I didn't want anyone else there. I just wanted to learn. I was watching YouTube videos. I was reading different mushroom foraging books, but it was all self-taught of just, and also learning from my grandfather. He didn't know a lot about shogun ratio, so I really had to put those pieces together. So I started just to, you know, uh, uh, Paul Stamets, David Wolf, every single person I could get access to, I would listen to everything they would put out, all their content, read all their books. I would transcribe it and write it out so I could really understand it and see it from my own view and world lens of what's going on here with these mushrooms and why they're here and what's going on here and how it's unlocking. Suddenly it's like on the consciousness mushrooms. Why? Perfect timing, right? For 
the upgrade of, you could say, reality for a lot of people. So I was doing this every weekend. I started bringing friends up. We started doing these cabin trips. And on these cabin trips, after we would go forage the mushrooms fresh from the woods, I would always do this ceremonial tea brew where I would take a wood-burning fire stove. We would load it up with logs. And mm-hmm. I would put a pot on top and I would take the fresh shaga or lion's mane or turkey tail and I'd put it in the pot and I would start trying to mix herbs together to try to find combinations that everyone at the cabin would like. And these were all very awesome peers I had that were in my mastermind groups. They were coming up and they're all very aware spiritually. They're all very healthy. So it was really dealing with, you know, you could say almost a hundred different people contributed before I first made the very first elixir on the herbalism wow. flavor and the magic of it. So a lot of people's minds, a lot of brilliant people and beautiful people and loving people put their energy into making that first one. And I started unlocking this recipe for this root beer flavor because root beer was one of my favorite drinks growing up. So I wanted to recreate it with all the ancient herbs and it was a low hanging fruit because root beer just by the very name root beer. Okay. It's very herbalism based using ancient roots and barks and berries. So I started foraging these wild ingredients. I started bringing in things like the burdock root, the juniper. Absolutely. So by the very nature of root beer being called root beer, it became the low hanging fruit of let's make this thing. I, everyone loves the flavor of nostalgically. Most people like sodas at least, especially Mm -hmm. root beer. Let's do it from the ancient perspective. So I started learning as much as I could about how ancient root beer was made and how it was originally called root tea. And it was made on several continents. It was actually also made in India, also made in South America. It was this herbal combination that always seemed to revolve around either sarsaparilla or sassafras root, then mixing that with juniper or the local berry. Sometimes it'd even be elderberry. Mm -hmm. And then wintergreen, like generally a mint or a wintergreen. And then different roots or different things like dandelion or birch bark if it was in the north. So I basically took the composite of where it was being made in different parts of the world. And I combined kind of the most common base recipe with things like the burdock, the juniper, licorice root, dandelion. Brought that together and mixed that with something that hadn't been done before, which is shaga. So I decided let's try that combination. And to me, shaga's palette of flavor delivers so beautifully And it also works on the pineal gland while the other herbs and roots and barks and berries can work on some of the other aspects, such as like the liver and the digestive system, like juniper for the blood. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's try that. And it was a smash hit from the first time. Everyone would want a second cup. And I thought, okay, I'm going to run with this. I'm going to try this out. And I started trying to formulate this and make it into a really strong tea. And at first it was just sold actually as a fully carbonated root beer. It was actually a one-time drink, but mm-hmm. it was like, you know, the $12 root beer because it's like wild shog and all these herbs. It takes forever to make it. I have to do the fermentation. And I'm like, wow, this is a, this is going to be an interesting one. If I want to travel the world and run this business, it might be a little tough. So I started thinking, okay, if I'm going to make this carbonated version, I've got to make this really strong concentrate of all these herbs. And then I've got to, it turns into a syrup. And then basically I used the soda stream at the time when I was just barely started my business. I didn't even have a logo. It was literally on a chalkboard, black magic, which came to me in a dream that name. And I decided, okay, I'm going to take this concentrated syrup that I normally put into the soda stream. And then I make these delicious root beers to do a fermentation. And instead I'm just going to sell the actual syrup, the elixir portion of it and not the water. Cause think about it. I, I started looking at how bigger brands were operating. I thought, 
okay, not that I want to emulate Coke in many ways, but there's mm-hmm. a reason why Coca-Cola got to becoming one of the world's most recognized brands. And you could look at some of the ancient stories, the ancient, I say ancient, look like within a hundred years, but you get what I'm saying. Ancient, it's like mythological Coca-Cola's beginnings. One of the things that they recognize very early on is why would we sell the water when we could actually just sell the syrup to fast food chains and they can use the water from their region and just add it with it. And mm-hmm. I thought I should just do something similar in that sense is I don't need to sell the water. That's the heaviest portion. I can actually start to sell just the most concentrated herbal components, the constituents that are the strength. And then people can add it to their water and make it their own sparkling root beer drink. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh God, that's the way to go. So I made this just assuming people were only going to use it for sparkling water to make a root beer, like how I was doing it. So it goes to show how little you know when you start your business, you end up learning from your customers what the reality of what they want is. I started recognizing people were telling me when I would see them, you know, every couple of weeks, I would drop off products, send them, deliver them. I would do these trade shows, these farmers markets. I would have customers come back and say, hey, have you ever tried mixing your elixir with coffee? It's the best. I don't even mix it with sparkling water. I put it in coffee. Coffee? What? That's a great idea. The acidity in the coffee, we balanced out by the alkalinity of the elixir. And all those herbs would help with the coffee would be the delivery system into the different components of the organs like the liver. Mm -hmm. Not to get too sidetracked, but I was like, (laughs) wait a minute. That's amazing. So, okay, I'll tell people they can mix it in the coffee. And then I have people telling me they mix it in their matcha lattes. And then I have people telling me they mix it in their they're normal black tea or herbal teas that are really strong and they're kombuchas and the business just kept evolving from there. And suddenly it became clear as like, wow, this actually can go in a lot of things that I didn't even recognize. Mm -hmm. And from there, I really just started putting my nose to the grindstone and I started just every single day, my eight to 10 hours a day, I was making the product. I was shipping it, I was delivering it. I was doing everything I could. And within eight months I was on the, somehow this random product from somewhere in Toronto ended up getting it onto the menu at Cafe Gratitude, which is the number one vegan restaurant really worldwide with six different locations in Los Angeles. It ended up getting on the menu there and becoming the number one best-selling drink in four different drinks for two years running. And that's within eight months because ultimately the vision was so lined up with what was needed at the time and what is still needed realistically is people are wanting mushrooms they didn't like the flavor of them mushrooms open the consciousness los angeles usually is a starting point for a lot of health trends and then it spreads from there mm-hmm. it was just like the right time right place product had been set up it was kind of this story that people appreciated too of that i, I grew up and live around the birch trees that we forage our mushrooms from like this is a wild forest product this isn't this isn't powders this isn't this isn't some organic mushroom from China, this, you know, organic mushroom from China. This is like from Canada, wild forage. It was like just purity and it worked out really well. People really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Like the fact that how many iterations you went on and how you listen to your customers and just the, the, the journey of your story is, it, yeah, it's just un, unreal, man. It's just crazy how persistent you were to like really do this like this. Cause when, when you hear a story like this, you see, you think like, Oh, this, like this just seems so difficult to do and mm. you seem like such a passionate person that you just kept pushing forward no matter what and now you have this amazing shaga product and uh, <laughs> <laughs> i guess so, so what would you say are the benefits of taking this shaga product okay so 
the three main benefits we've figured out at this point, and this is not, uh, you know, again, the same way I thought, well, this is just what you mix into bubbly water. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when I first started, I just thought, okay, well, why do I love Shaga? I love Shaga less about the insane mineral composite it has, which is truly the most mineral dense of all foods in known. Like they've done the mineral testing of zinc, magnesium, selenium, antioxidants, melanin. There's so any one food, if, if sesame seeds were the highest food of selenium, game over it would be like the number one superfood everyone would be taking it shaga mm-hmm. is the highest on record of several different aspects like betulinic acid like i mentioned and these other minerals so at first i thought okay well i think people will be interested in that and they'll want to hear about that and yeah some do some are interested in that they have a magnesium deficiency which 80 percent of america does a lot of people were deficient in a lot of these elements Shaga had, but it turned out it was less that that was intriguing to people. Same as when I thought everyone's just going to like it for mixing to make sparkly drinks. Mm-hmm. People are like, all of a sudden, I realized people are actually interested in this for the same reason I am, which is not just that it's nutrient dense. It's actually that it's beyond immune boosting. It does something to the pineal gland that's very unique. It seems to open a sense of awareness and clarity of thought and mind and removes brain fog in a way that I've never seen any other product do. It creates a presence. It creates a groundedness, but also a creativity. It seems to be pulling from both ends at once. Mm-hmm. There's so much I could say on that about the wisdom of how long it grows on the tree, the doctrine of signatures in which foods represent what the way they look, the way they grow, the way they appear usually is how it affects the body and how it affects the health. Like celery looks like bones. It's high in uh, calcium and magnesium for the bones. Uh, carrot, you cut down the middle. Look, it, it looks like an eye. Vitamin A for the eyes and carrots very high. So walnuts for the brain. Okay. It looks like a brain. What, what do you know? Shaga growing on the side of the tree for all of these years, it's gaining the wisdom of the entire forest. And there's so rare that you could say it's like finding this very rare forage food that is just the thing you need to cure your ailment. Like you go into the woods to find this one berry that I feel like you find it, I'll get my cancer. That was kind of the idea. That's kind of the concept there. So I thought everyone's going to love it for those reasons, right? Turned out, yeah, people are actually interested in the spiritual component of what it seems to do to the mind, the awareness it gives you, the wisdom it seems to par- parlay onto you. So I started really realizing it's actually affecting the pineal gland. That's the area of the body it's hitting. And there's a lot of research coming out about how melanin, the same melanin you would get from the sunlight when it impacts with your skin, the chemical composition of how the hormones release, that melanin produced is the most supportive nutrient for the pineal gland. And it's the hardest to support antioxidant for the body. So you need a lot of other nutrients in the body to actually produce melanin. Mm -hmm. So when the sun hits your skin to actually produce the medicine, you still need to pull a lot of magnesium and different antioxidants, all the same one Chaga has. So it's a perfect delivery system. So ultimately I recognized quickly, people were very fascinated on the pineal gland. And most people were reporting the same thing I was, which was, it seems to be this transcending energy that comes through you. Like you've just done yoga or meditation for 30 minutes or an hour when you drink a cup of shaga tea. So pineal gland activation is a big one. So if someone is dealing with brain fog, if you have any issues with concentration or focus, especially in a world where we're always doing this to actually put your mind into something with creativity, shaga is one of the best, if not one of the, if not the best creativity superfoods. So that's the first one. The second one would be, of course, with all those minerals and antioxidants, it's immune supportive. And it builds the immunity in a very soft way. 
So if you think of drinking, let's say you're, you're sick and you want to heal yourself, a lot of people want ginger tea or they want mm-hmm. uh, garlic, even like a gar- strong garlic shot with cayenne and ginger and vitamin C. And those are all amazing, Ex- excluding the vitamin C in this comment. Those are things you don't want to be taking constantly, though, because it's too fiery. It's too intense. In fact, with garlic and things like cayenne and ginger, there's monks, Zen monks, who won't even consume it because it actually creates too much fiery chi energy, which they don't want. They want more of that depth. So it actually can almost fire you up or you're not grounded. So I said excluding vitamin C because vitamin C is something you do want pretty constantly. But this is where the immune supportive elements of medicinal mushrooms like shaga and reishi are really key. And something the elixir does is it provides an immune support that's very soft on the body that you could actually have every single day. Unlike the garlic shot or the ginger shot, you can have it, but you can't keep doing that every day. You're going to, you're going to cause issues with your intestinal tract. And the third component that people really love is skin sexification, as we say. And the reason is the skin is your biggest organ. It's also the organ most connected with your liver. So shaga naturally nourishes the liver. And a lot of the herbs we put in there, like the licorice and dandelion root, are very effective on the liver, even the chicory root we add. So we want to support the liver. And while we're supporting the liver, it's actually nourishing the skin. So the more you support your liver, the more your skin is receptive to those elements. And it doesn't have to detox. You don't have to detox through your skin if your liver is doing good because your liver can handle the processing. So all the nutrients in it are helping with the liver, which improves the skin, gives people that glow in the eyes, that presence, the radiation of the skin of like the glow. But it also has nutrients like selenium in it, which is really good, and vitamin D2, which we do, which we get from mushrooms when they're sun-dried. So we sun-dry our mushrooms. So when you're drinking the elixir, you're actually getting that all those different beauty elements like selenium, vitamin D2, magnesium, which is really good for relaxing the skin, stopping wrinkles. All of those different factors come in. So it creates a skin sexification. You have the immune support, and then you have the pineal gland, which is really the top three things that are all contributive, by the way, to having high energy levels. Because if you look in the mirror and you're glowing and you feel good and your skin is radiating, oh my God, okay. Then your immune system can handle any invaders that come its way. And you can see reality with this very omnipresent clarity of consciousness. God, you have a lot of energy under that circumstance. So we say all of it leads to you having a really high level of energy. 100%. And I definitely noticed that, especially when I tried uh, the 30 days of your, of, your, of, of the Shaga elixir. I think it was in March and I was very focused. I like very little bring, I'd take it every single morning and at work I closed like a bunch of that was like that one month in March where I closed a bunch of sales deals and I was and I was like very very in the zone. So I was like, this is this is this is incredible. But the one thing you said here too is and I tried to research this a lot, so I'm curious what you'll say, but the pineal gland, I tried to research like what this was and what is this organ. And I couldn't really find too much on Google, but I'm sure like you, you know a lot about this, but what, what really is the pineal gland? Okay. So the pineal gland, <laughs> the pineal gland is fascinating, yeah. my friend. It's one of the, it's one of those topics that's going to be probably highly censored at this point because of mm-hmm. if you realize really what's happening with the pineal gland, your life really alters. You, you start to go back to the spiritual path. You come back to nature. You come back to the realization there's some type of powerful creation going on here that this gland would be included in the body because the pineal gland is considered the seat of the soul in almost all spiritual religions, even going back to the Vedas, going back to ancient Egypt, going back to the way the Druids looked at the mind and the body and the spirituality and all throughout India. 
the pineal gland has always been the seat of the soul. It's always been the place where consciousness is almost connecting in with the body. Because you could say your consciousness isn't the body, it's separate, and you're recognizing and witnessing everything that is happening. You're plugged into the body, but you're not, you are not the body. The plug-in point, you could say the cord where it plugs in could be the pineal gland, which is a very small pea shape. It's actually about the size of a pea, very small, and it's shaped just like a pineal, uh, just like a pine cone. So they call it a pineal gland. It actually looks like a pine cone when you look at it, and it's actually exactly where you would think in your third eye. So the third eye, the real vision, the spiritual vision, to be able to trust your intuition and to be able to see things that are not quite visible with your two physical eyes that are your physical apparatus. The pineal gland is actually where you secrete melatonin. The pineal gland also helps you secrete something called pinealine, which is a psychoactive chemical the body can actually produce. You get it during lucid dreaming. Women can have it during um, pregnancy when they're giving birth, DMT. 5-HTP is produced there. So you have a lot of different chemicals that are actually the production place is the pineal gland. But most people's pineal glands are not active. The reason why you could say a lot of spirituality, the valve is shut off in reality for a lot of people where they really just feel this materialistic world. They're not aware of all the magic that's been incorporated into our natural world, into this natural plane. They're unaware of it because if you're not doing certain things for your pineal gland, it's not going to function properly. Look, I'll give you an example. If you're always sleeping in a room where there's light hitting you, artificial light, not moonlight, in fact, or starlight, moonlight and starlight do not cause any disruption to the pineal gland. This has been proven under scientific analysis. It's only artificial light. So lights off on the street, lights in your room, even as small of a light as on an alarm system, if, if anyone even has that anymore. But let's just say if someone has a TV in their room, Oh, <laughs> don't want to do that when you sleep and have a TV even off in the room because it emits electromagnetic chaos. But beside that point, even the red light on, a t on an electronic device in the room, in a completely dark room, will actually affect and disrupt your pineal gland from secreting melatonin properly. Even wow. that much, even a small light, even if you were blindfolded and you had, they've done all these tests to show this, even if you actually didn't even see it with your eyes, it's it can almost, it, there was just a pinprick of light from artificial light. It's, it doesn't stop it, but it dramatically slows down the melatonin production because your body is naturally not designed for a reality with artificial lights. The longest that we've existed has not been with artificial lights. It's been by candlelight, which by the way, flame also doesn't disrupt it. It's only artificial LED type lights. So these lights end up stopping the body from producing melatonin and stopping it from then producing all the other chemicals like the 5-HTP, the pinealine, the, uh, the, all the different psychoactive chemicals like the alpinealine I was mentioning. It stops that from happening and stops people from going into a deep fourth stage level REM sleep, which would actually give them all the, all the healing nutrients that the body needs, all the healing hormones to be produced during that time. People are not reaching that stage. They're stopping at the dream stage and not going to the completely unconscious, gone from the universe kind of sleep. Mm -hmm. So people then report things like brain fog, headaches, not having focus, being distracted all the time, not being able to find their purpose or their passion, all of these things, not having creativity, not having all of those things, all those things being disrupted are all to do with the pineal gland because if the pineal gland is working perfectly. My God, you're getting the proper sleep you need. You're fully energized. You're creative. 
you're also getting a lot of the creativity you want from all those chemicals that are the psychoactive chemicals that are released in the body in very minute doses, mind you, but enough that when you would actually get that creativity where if people have these like writer's blocks or this creativity blocks, well, what's it from? Mm-hmm. It's from not having the proper, you're just missing the base element that's required to create that. So that's what's, it's really important. And if people are dealing with headaches and problems with their creativity, it's always coming back to the pineal gland. It's always coming back to too much artificial light, not getting also enough sunlight too. When you wake up in the morning, one of the first things, Jeremiah, if people are going outside and getting that sunlight on their skin, that actually starts the circadian rhythm and your, your pineal gland to actually connect with the natural world, the sunlight. So that way it knows what time it is and starts your clock for that day of how much energy you're going to have and when it's going to run out, depending on, you know, that 18 hour cycle. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to sleep deeper at night, but a lot of people don't go outside right away. When they wake up, they wait hours sometimes before they go outside or, you know, even, even half an hour is too long. The best thing is, excuse me, you want to go outside and you want to get that sunlight right on your skin right away, wake up your body, wake up the circadian rhythm, connect back to nature the pineal gland will then start working. And then my God, you don't have brain fog. You don't have confusion anymore. Your brain just works. So I guess in your opinion, Shane, and I'm really curious about this because I've thought about this too, but it seems like in the modern world, it's so difficult. There's so many distractions, whether it's like technology, the phone living inside, like we're all in these small apartments. Um, yeah, just it's harder to connect to nature nowadays. And even this idea of the metaverse, like you're going to live in this world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah your headset on and that's like your life uh yeah i'm curious like what are your what are your thoughts on that like how, how do you think the future how will we connect back to nature in the future okay i've done a lot of thinking about this because <laughs> because i've spent a lot of the last six years traveling so i mean when i say traveling i mean like living out of the suitcase, but being in many different places, like all over the country and other countries and, you know, living out of different Airbnbs for most, honestly, more than six months of the year, a lot of the times for the last couple of years, it's been traveling. So I've gone through quite a few experiences of being in different cities and different towns and different settings to really come to a better understanding of this reality of how to connect to nature in certain circumstances. Then, you know, at the end of the day, man, I just got to say, if you're living in a city, it's going to continue getting very difficult to connect with nature. The more they're setting up the certain electromagnetic grid they're setting up, the smart cities that are coming in, the amount of electromagnetic chaos alone just from what, what, it, what it's been in the last couple of years is for many people very overwhelming, causing a lot of people have to have to leave cities. If you look at it right now, the I think the number is somewhere around our grandparents, when they were alive in the in the early, you just say mid 1900s, the amount of electromagnetic chaos we get is 10,000 times plus, there's even numbers saying it's higher than it was for them at their time. So if something goes up 10,000%, unless it's like Bitcoin, it's probably for most people, not a good thing. (laughs) In the natural, in the health world, like you don't want 10,000 times more fucking EMS, sorry, swear, but you don't want 10,000 times more electromagnetics hitting your body. And that's coming from the cell phones, from the wiring and the walls, from the TV, even if it's off, the blenders even. every It sounds like crazy conspiracy, but every single thing, and you can read it with a gauze meter, you can actually go detect where all the electromagnetic hotspots are in your home, near the routers, it's going to go off the, the number. And I've done this to see how intense it is. And we're being bombarded by it. And it is really at the root of so many different health issues 
more than people recognize. It's one of those really hidden, hidden things that most people would accept as like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be like sleeping beside my router. But beyond that, most people don't really think much about it. And I think that's going to be a shock for a lot of people when they realize electromagnetic chaos may be the new smoking in the future. We may look back at it and think, how are people like smoking all the, like you see these like old movies where everyone's like smoking inside and it's like this hazy restaurant and like some mafiosa Massachusetts bar. And you're thinking every day people were doing that. And then they're wondering why like their lungs are all messed up and they have like brain cancers and things. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look back at this time and think, wow, why were people so silly to not understand? You can't just keep cranking up this electromagnetic chaos. You can't keep cranking up the cellular systems and expect it not to affect everything. And it is already affecting nature. Birds and different, different birds are dying in mass sequences because of the different, when they turn on these 5G towers, or bees are completely misconstrued around them, like flying around them because it's interfering with their subtle communication systems. So anyways, I go on to say this because the smart cities, you're literally living in a chamber of electromagnetic chaos, which is causing what I think is the this epidemic of different headaches and problems people are having with just feeling like they can't sleep at night. I mean, it's no wonder. So I've had a lot of time to stay in different cities and big cities too, like Mexico City, Los Angeles, New York. And I've also had a lot of time spending spent in small towns, very small towns. If I said it, probably even no one's heard of a lot of these places, but one of them I just came back from was called San Miguel, which is this amazing town or city in in mexico just so it's about two hours north of, of mexico city mm-hmm. this town is complete i didn't see a paved road for three weeks it's all cobblestone it's all ancient gothic architecture and when you go inside these ancient buildings which is going to bring me to the next point about connecting with nature when you go into these ancient buildings the way they're designed is without angles of sorrow and I say angles of sorrow, right angles. You notice how all of our buildings are squares. We're all in these square boxes that I call prisons. We're in these buildings where everything is squared off. And in nature, there are no right angles. So when you're, in, you're living in these buildings, it stops the energy flow, the feng shui of the room, the energy, the way the flow of the room is, is not conducive to actually creativity and healthfulness. But then when you go into these ancient architecture that our ancestors knew, our very advanced ancient ancestors knew about, when they build these rooms and these beautiful chapels and what we're calling churches, which may at the time not have been considered churches, but maybe energy generation stations, these spaces, when you walk in, the way the architecture is and the columns, like if you even think of Greek columns, the curvature and the way energy can flow around People just go in, even without being religious, and just feel so good. You just want to sit down mm-hmm. and just be in that space and just enjoy the way the room is, the high ceilings. And you think, my God, we think we're advanced, but we're in a free fall because we've, we're in a free fall because we have disconnected with our natural roots of connecting with nature, building in harmony with nature, the way the forest integrates with the city and town. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 Everything is like Eckhart Tolle once pointed this out. He said the reason why a lot of people find more presence in nature is because in nature, there is chaos, but it's a beautiful chaos going on everywhere. If you go through, let's contrast this for a moment. If you go for a walk in the city, let's say you're downtown Los Angeles or downtown in Calgary. Mm -hmm. If you are in the city and you look around, everything is sidewalks, right? You have to walk this way and then it's a block. 
a block. What do they also call it in prison? A cell block. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You go to your next block. Then you take a curve and you walk down that sidewalk, but you have a small little narrow thing, you know, maybe like five, six feet that you're allowed to walk on. And then that's someone's property. You can't walk there. Oh, you can't walk on the road. You might get hit. There's a danger. There's cars moving by. Okay. I'm not allowed there. I'm not allowed there. Oh, there might be a little park in town. Okay. That's great. But then they're spraying it with pesticides to keep the grass green. (laughs) So you start to think it gets hard to live in a city. And I've tested this, man. I want to say that it's easy to do and you can just, oh, we can do it. People are making their complaints and bitterness is about it. And it's just all bitching. They can do it. You can do it. I'm really getting to the point where I don't believe it's, I don't believe it's conducive to human health in any way to be in a city. And I think you're literally, you're running uphill against yourself because it's only getting worse and you, to go back to the Eckhart Tolle example, if you're in a place where there's nature everywhere and it's integrated, you can go for a walk. And even everywhere in a forest, that's a beautiful forest you can be in, you can go walk and touch and see and feel. There's not like certain area I have to stay on this one path. You can go off the path if you want. And this dead tree has mushrooms fruiting off of it. And then this thing's growing out of that. And this is going over here. The mind is so thrown into chaos that you just go back into your witness consciousness and you just like, this is just crazy. Like how life all integrates, how the mushrooms know when the tree is about two to three years old, starts coming and fruiting. And then the insects come and eat that and the animals come and eat those. And then the animal species creates the soil for the next tree and the seed gets spread. It starts to all connect and you start to see the great truth of it all and the great magic of harmony that you can live within and how easy it is to feel healthy when you're in a forest or by a beach or on a mountain or hiking even through being in a desert being around nature is rejuvenative you don't have to fight against anything you don't have fight or flight signal responses going off like i have to be on my sidewalk i can't go over in the backyard i can't get hit by the car the emf 5g towers hitting me you know the phone's beeping someone's walking by who's a stranger it's like it's what we're so used to doing it. We don't recognize it's going on. So when I keep going through these intense travel experiences where I'm going from downtown Mexico city, Polanco, like Mexico city, bro. And then I shoot out and I go to this colonial town where it's like, I'm up in nature. I walk down into this colonial, amazing ancient architecture church. I'm like, damn, why is it so easy to be healthy here? Why do I feel so good? Why am I sleeping so good? And I've tested this hundreds of times traveling at this point, I am just certain you got to leave the cities, get as close out to nature as you can, where you could just walk outside and be connected immediately. You can go grounding, bare feet in the soil right away. You can go get sunlight. You don't have loud sirens, which is noise pollution, which is destroying your equilibrium, destroying the, the mm-hmm. calmness in your body, turns on your adrenal glands right away, puts the fight or flight stress cortisol hormones going. You don't hear sirens. That's the more we can integrate with that, the less you have to put into the nutrition side and the superfoods, smoothies and all this, which I love. But honestly, when you're in nature, you could just go get some wild raspberries and you could have that. And that's all you need. You don't need all these superfood exotic shakes and things like that. So that's what anyways, I long dissertation there, but that's, that's what I'm trying to do with black magic ultimately is give people a taste of nature inside a product. That's like, nearly everything's wild harvested from the water to the mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Every single thing is like trying to get people connected back to nature, trying to represent that to help people realize how much of a better life you could live when you actually just get closer to nature. hundred percent. And yeah, I love that. And the thing is, Shane, like 
because you laid that out now i'm thinking yeah it is so unnatural living in a, in a city like you never really think about these things but you're right like there's so much cha- like chaos and fear like oh walking on this sidewalk there's cars here but in nature you're not really like thinking like that like you can touch the trees you can walk through the forest you can be a little more a little bit more relaxed you can see sunlight um yeah but yeah it's it's just amazing and um yeah i guess i know we're a little bit over time so i, I don't want to take up too much of your time here shane but i was curious so where can people find you learn more about you yourself your channel um black magic so the best places would be uh, if someone goes to the Black Magic website, it's Black Magic Alchemy. And we use that same name for our Instagram. Alchemy is spelled as you would think, not any crazy with K's and mm. I's and E's. No, it's like normal alchemy. And if you look up blackmagicalchemy.com, you go to the website. I have also a lot of stuff on the Instagram. And then my personal that I post a lot more of the, let's say, self-development, more spiritual side we're talking about, is Shane Tyler Milson. And I post on YouTube going to be more regularly soon and definitely on Instagram, a lot of stories sharing the journeys and travels. And those are the two best places. hundred percent. And we'll have all the links in the description below. And um, yeah, I guess I have a few more questions for you, Shane, but like the, the second one is what, see, like you strike me as such a unique entrepreneur, the way your passion, like you're not this money driven, well, I guess from the surface, like you're not this money driven, hungry, like just, <laughs> create whatever product you're almost like a conscious entrepreneur and um i'm just like, curious to learn like how like what what is your advice to new entrepreneurs out in the world um to do something great like yourself the advice i would give is to be very very conscious of the people you're listening to be very aware of the life you want to live and get to know yourself as quickly as possible and as fast as possible. And that's fine that like make many mistakes. It's probably going to happen. But I say to just be careful who you're listening to, because you might find some really amazing entrepreneur that's made many, many millions of dollars, maybe has a massive following or reach. And you might listen to the advice they give, but that advice may not be actually what you're looking for because that person may not actually be living a life that you want to live. They may be successful and you can respect that, but it may not be how you want to live. And I learned that very early on. I, for Sigmatic, the, probably the most famous of all mushroom companies, they're my, one of my mentors, the whole group of four of those Finnish guys. And I learned so much from those guys and they changed my life. And they're still good friends. But I'm glad that I learned very quickly that just because they gave a certain piece of advice didn't always mean that that would be for what I wanted to do with my business. Because their business, their concept was we want to make mushrooms so accessible that we would want it to be in literally like everywhere. Like you could get it at Walmart, at a gas station. You could literally get mushrooms anywhere and everyone could have access to it. And I realized what it would take to get to that level would be, you know, 50, 60 employees, would be massive headquarters in multiple countries, would be dealing with a large system of operations. And at the time when I first started, I think it's natural for, you know, younger guy. 25 at the time when I did this to think I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to be at every whole foods on earth. I'm going to be the number one whole sold <laughs> mushroom product on Amazon. It's like that competitive nature is there. Right. Mm-hmm. But I quickly realized when I looked at the reality, but I'm like, what would that actually take to do that? And I thought it's probably what these guys have what four Sigmatics up to. And I, I, I was literally one-on-one mushroom hunting with these guys, spending time with them, working with them at one point. And I started to realize, you know, I think this is really good that they're doing it, but I don't think I'm meant to do it. 
And I started to separate the advice that they were giving me for the advice that would work for someone trying to build that versus what I wanted to build. And I started looking towards the people around me that were you know, in small towns, just doing some really amazing kombucha, for instance, or some awesome sauerkraut product, or even like a natural deodorant or a hair care product. I started just paying attention to people that were doing product. And maybe they don't have global recognition that they're in like every Whole Foods. But I started seeing how they were living and the type of customer base they had and the, the, the problems that they were addressing and the results they were getting from being able to do an artisan small made product. You can get a lot more depth to help people, like a smaller group of people, your depth is going to be a lot stronger than the breadth. If you go national and worldwide, well, you're going to have to, you're going to have to skimp on a couple of things to make it that to that point, unfortunately, to get to that certain level. So I started just seeing, I want to learn how to build my business from people who are building amazing products that I like to take that I want to go buy. So I would spend time, like I mentioned with Giddy Yo-Yo, I went an apprentice because while they're only in Canada, I thought this brand, this is, if it was replicated in every town or city in the world, this is the kind of brand that would change the world doing it that way by making a really amazing product, keeping it more localized, doing small productions. I was like, I want to do that. I want to make it like that. That's more exciting to me. And I just want to find a way that I could do that and still travel the world. So that became my mission. I started reading books like, you know, Tim Ferriss for our work week. So I would say ultimately, if you're starting, just Keep in mind, you may think you want to take over the world. You may want to make a hundred million dollars. Like all those things may be prevalent now, but you might start to realize you don't need all the things you thought you needed. You don't need to take all the advice from everybody. It's better to really select people who are living the life that you want to live similar to it and that have results that you would like to emulate. Those are the people you want to listen a bit more carefully to and to do it in a way that's for yourself. Like don't try to copy any other business. All my mistakes in business have been from trying to copy others and try to emulate something I thought that I should do too, like with my website or, you know, with my packaging. And I thought, oh, we should do it that way because other people are doing it. And I realized the more unique I've been by saying things like pineal gland activation, skin sexification, like no one, to my knowledge, I have never seen another health food product in the world use that term skin sexification or pineal gland activation. That's mm-hmm. almost become like a trademark for us at this point. I'm glad we did that because at first, I was hesitant, Jeremiah. I was thinking, what the hell are people going to think if they hear like skin sex vacation? They're not going to like take that seriously. But I realized from all these years of doing it and talking about it, that's actually the parts of business people love the most. It's those weird things we say or calling it black magic. Mm. Everyone was like at first telling me not to do that. People are going to have a bad association. But I was like, I'm going to do it because it came to me in a dream. And that was clear as day. Like that is what it's called. And it feels right. And I did it. And I can tell you who knows what the future might've been if I called it something else, but I feel very good that it it went the ways that it did. So all my best wins and hopefully anyone listening, this could be good for you. All your best wins. And I've seen this for other entrepreneurs come from you choosing to do something that's uniquely your own and not trying to copy other people. You can take inspiration but do it uniquely your own way. As Pablo um, um, Picasso used to say, he said, yeah, he would say good artists copy, great artists steal. But what he meant by that in my perception is you steal from not, steal's got a bad connotation, but look at it this way. You take inspiration from many different places and you combine it to bring it to one thing, which is basically 
how I did black magic. I took the best I could find about wild foraging and I took it and put it all together into the branding and into the story. And then I took the best I could learn about herbalism from like Chinese medicine and I mixed that in. And then I took the best about what are my favorite brands? How do they look? What's the label look like? How do it be different? Because at the time when I started, the common thing was the little green leaf on the bottle that says, oh, natural, non-GMO, organic. And it's all green and white because that's like the perception of a health food product. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to go black and you know dark colors and this gold and this crazy alchemical look and the mushroom coming up and the earth, the root. I was like, I'm going to do it so different. And at the time when I launched, I was the only product on the shelf that was black and gold. There was no other product. So all my wins came from doing shit that was outside of completely what anyone else was doing, but borrowed inspiration and just mix it together in a way that it was hard to say any one thing came from this. It was like so many mixtures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just want to say, number one, thank you so much for coming on the Zen Plus podcast. You're like, you're someone who I really look up to in so many ways, just as just your the way you think as an entrepreneur, like your story. Um, it really inspires me to with seasons. Like I want to be kind of like you, like I want to be someone who trusts myself and can really bring something new to the world. And I, I just wish there was more people like you who really like trust themselves and just bring something so unique to the world where you can see it and it's it just like the world needs it. And um, that kind of leads into this, this other question that how, like, how did you get to the point where you trusted your, your inner self so much? I'm, I'm a big fan of Ralph Waldo Emerson's essay, Self-Reliance. And um, I feel like you're just someone who like really embodies that philosophy. So it's something that comes from every single day, many micro actions, many micro behaviors, because it takes some time to get to the point where you feel you have something for a lot of people. It does. It takes time to actually believe you have something that's worth doing or sharing. So a lot of people don't want to just, rightfully so it's engineered into us to not embarrass ourselves so it's like you don't want to immediately come up with an idea and then go do it you almost feel like you need some type of authority first before you can do that and some of that is true some of it is like you do want some knowledge before let's say you start a podcast like you want to have like obviously you have some mindfulness you are a guy who is studying and learning and you're you're actually you're, you're chopping your teeth as they say you're doing what it's required to earn the place to do a podcast so you're doing that So you're feeling like I can do this. I'm allowed to do this. It's something that I would just for anyone who wants to do something to immerse yourself into it. And that will allow you to get your, to gain the confidence in your mind, the belief that you can do it, the trustfulness that you can become that. So for just my example, I learned about mushrooms first from my grandfather, as I mentioned, then I went and worked for a company where I joked, I ate shit because I was doing something that it's like, I, already was more entrepreneurial than I was anything else. I was like 99% entrepreneur in my blood and everything I wanted to do was that, but I wanted to humble myself to go work for someone else. So I could actually learn all the ins and outs and treat it like university. Like I wasn't there to collect the paycheck. Mm-hmm. I was there to learn. I was there to collect the knowledge, the awareness about how to run a business, how to look at like how a health fun- uh, company functions. So I, and I want to learn about sourcing products just all the little intricacies. So I spent the years doing that. I then worked with Four Sigmatic for a period of time. And this whole time I was doing this, I was also reading every single day. 
I was reading, I was watching YouTube channels. I was like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk. I was Grant Cardone. I'm listening to all these guys. I'm spending time with Owen. I'm, I'm learning everything I can about entrepreneurship. So as I'm going through, I'm already at the point where I believe I should be doing it. I believe I put the time in to make this, that what I'm saying is reasonable. I've actually tested it. I've done it. So the best way and the fastest way, in my opinion, to get to that point where you could just trust that you're, you're, you're ready for this and you can do it and you can take that leap is immerse yourself to the point where you become so knowledgeable that you're in the top 100 of the world that is obsessed with this. And if you do that, my God, you're going to be someone that you, to be reckoned with, that people are going to want to learn or purchase what you've created. So that, that's what my advice would be is immerse yourself in the reality of it. And in my sense, it was go mushroom hunting all the time, work for those companies, read books about entrepreneurship, read books about health, do it every day. Every single day I'm at a health food store. I don't just go buy all the things I normally buy. I go pick up new products. I go learn new things. I see what's what's at eye level, what products are on the shelf at the front. What is, I ask people, I talk to people every day I'm researching. So that way, when I do go to launch another product, I'm like, add a new product to the line. I spent a long time already thinking about it, pondering it, looking at stores, thinking about it, talking to other entrepreneurs, seeing what my customers are looking for. So that way, when I do make it, I have no problem going out and being like, I made this, this is a product that will change your life. And that is where I, I feel as long as you're doing something that you know in your heart is the right thing to do, something that people will value, you've spent the time and you put the effort into mastering it and learning it and spending all the time around it and you are humble to it. When you do come up with something, people will sense the heart you put in and want to support that and be a part of that and purchase some of that energy. Because really, they're not just purchasing what you've actually made. They're actually purchasing what they feel it will do for them. And they're purchasing what they feel was put into it. And some of that's more energy than people realize. So that's my suggestion for people. Immerse yourself in, get to the point where you believe it so much. They say, when you sell something, you want to sell your, if you don't sell yourself first, you're not going to sell anyone. You have to sell yourself. So that, that was, that's a big promise to you. If you do that, you will have a very strong business. 100%. And um, yeah, I guess for the last question here, Shane, man, I just love that (laughs) for the last question here. So in the world we live in today with all the chaos, you know, there's wars going on, there's some strange things going on. Um, Mm -hmm. If you could say something to the whole world, maybe on a billboard and they could hear you, hear it from you at once, what would you say? I mean, I, my brain just wants to keep leaning back to the same idea is that if every, if I could write the one phrase on the billboard, I mean, just off the top of my head, it would be something around the idea of immerse yourself in, maybe I would even use this word. I would say immerse yourself in God's creation. And that would mean that for anyone to go to war or for anyone to be in conflict or for anyone to be caught up in a lot of the games played in propaganda and media, they would have to be so disconnected already from the natural world and so disconnected from their own health and wellness in their own body mm-hmm. they, that it would be easy for them to be swindled into believing other things and be swindled into doing things that are of not their highest purpose, you could say, or not their highest good in this world. So if people immerse themselves into this creation, this beautiful creation that is here 
and they become curious as a child again, and they become humble and wanting to learn about reality and learn about life and learn about this and maybe consider that all the things we've been told in science aren't necessarily true about the world and how it functions. And you start to just think, maybe I'm taking things for granted that I just believe because somebody told me, but I never actually applied common sense or I never actually questioned it and went to go see what the alternative opinion was. That if someone does that and they more integrate deeply with nature, they come more in contact with the earth. They're, let's say in the forest or by the beach, or they're, they're more in communion with nature. They're more in communion with their body. They, they understand how to be their own doctor and they understand more about their own consciousness or psyche and how to perceive the world. It would be very difficult to trick that person or to swindle them into doing something where they, you know, for instance, as simple as trading their life, their hard earned energy not their hard-earned money, but their hard-earned energy for money. And they do it for some job that they hate, that they don't love. They work it eight hours a day, 40 hours a week. They do this for 40 years to just live in a little square box home on a block. And they are going to be, they're going to be sacrificing a big part of this reality that's so magical. And if their only communion with nature is once in a blue moon, they go on a three-week vacation where they're on a beach drinking margaritas that is going to be not someone that's going to be really, really biting into the nectar of life, really sucking the nectar. So if you really immerse yourself in the world by getting out of the cities more, getting away from the artificial, the physical, the, the material world, getting away from all of that, going back more to nature, going for hikes, going mushroom foraging, spending time in nature, doing adventurous things, going in national parks, like in the U.S., there's so many beautiful national parks in Canada. There's so mm -hmm. much crown land. There's so much. It's so easy to do here than it is almost anywhere else. And if you do that and you come back to this point of being excited by the creation by every day, you do those little things because everything I'm saying, I'm triggering. When I say go outside in the morning, when you first wake up, I'm not just saying it because of the melanin that you're going to absorb from the sun. I'm saying it because I know from my own experience and watching others that I've worked and coached with. If they go do that, well, you're already outside. You might as well go for, a, go for a walk. Okay, go for a walk. Well, then you're looking outside. Then you're looking up at the sun. You're like, it's a nice day. It's really beautiful. And you look forward to it. You start to unaddict yourself from the phone. And you start to reacquaint yourself with the beauty of the simple things like nature and the looking up at the sky and seeing the formations of the clouds and the feeling of your bare feet on the earth or eating a fruit. And you realize... Jesus, this came from the dirt. This was a seed. You start to look at the world differently. And then when someone starts trying to talk to you about, you're wanting to, you got to support this war that we're fighting for. Oil's important. Look at this propaganda. Look at this thing going on. You're like, I'm just, I, I, I don't want to part. I'm just choosing not to participate in your world, in your artificial metaverse world. I'm not going to participate. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go back to the simple things. So that's what I would say as a billboard. If, if people started doing that, and now you look around, bro, you go to a national park, you go into a forest, just look at people's faces versus the faces of people on the streets in a city. Mm -hmm. It's such a different thing because nature unlocks something. You're breathing in, you're doing, I could talk about it on the physical side, you're oxygenating your body, you're looking externalization, you're looking in distance far away. There's all that certainly, but there's something magical. There's a lot of mystery there. And just remember the mystery. And if people become more in tune with nature, their whole life will become more in tune. And there you have it, guys. Shane. <laughs>